Hey guys, right off the bat, I want to apologize for some static sounds that you hear throughout this podcast. Just a joy of recording remotely. Um, I guess we had some phone interference or something like that. Hopefully it's not too distracting because this is one of my favorite episodes so far. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello, welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. Man, feels like it's been a minute, doesn't it? It, it has. It's been, it's, been a, it's been like two weeks. It's been hectic. <laughs> it's Things been, have been crazy. It has. It has. Been. Uh, well, we, lo- we to be fair, we also lost an episode, and all- so it feels probably longer, even more so for you guys than it does for us. Right. It always feels like recording day just sneaks up on me. Yeah, you're yeah. you're probably got a busy life out there now too, huh? I do, man. It's it. You know how it is, because you you live like close to your family. There's always things going on. People always want to do stuff or yeah, need your yeah. car Fuck or <laughs> need you to pick up pesky so-and-so. ass people. Yeah. It's, they uh, just keep you away from what you really want to do, which is like what you want to do. You know? Exactly. They always want to do what they want to do, bastards. <laughs> it is. You got to find a balance, though. I talked about that on Higher Thoughts. I talked yeah. about how you got to, it's good to be around. It's good to help family and, you know, kind of create that, that, I don't know, that persona, that idea of yourself where your family starts to embrace you. You know what I mean? Like that's, you right. want them to feel good about you because that's how your legacy gets carried on is through your yeah. family and through your friends. But at the same time, it's like if you're just constantly saying yes to everything, you'll have nothing left. Yep. And it's like, yeah, you'll look good in everyone else's life, but your own life you didn't enjoy very much, you know, <laughs> because you were doing yeah. what everybody else wanted to do. Yeah, you got to say no sometimes, and I think they respect you more too when you say no sometimes, and you don't, yeah. you, you're not too eager to be loved by everyone all the time, you know. That's right, and they appreciate it p- when you do commit because your yeah. time's worth more. Yeah. That being said, it feels like, feels like we have such a business relationship now, doesn't it? <laughs> like we yeah, jump it on, sucks. we jump on, we're like, "What's up, dude? All right, let's record this." <laughs> <laughs> like, this is genuinely like us catching up when we start the recording <laughs> thing. Now it's like because we almost don't want to talk beforehand and like. Right, ruin the the actual conversation and like have to redo it again during the thing. But that's right. It does feel weird just checking in with you. Yeah, you know, it's all good though. You know what? We'll make it work. You know, you know, good friends. They always like like my one of my best friends, dude Dustin. Like we sometimes we don't talk for like six months, and then when we do talk, it's like we never stopped talking. It's like it's all it's all the same. You know, it's all good. Right. All that's wrong. so great to have low maintenance friends like that. Yeah. That's what I call them, low-maintenance friends. People you can just check in with, and they're cool, and you just have a good time, and then you separate for a little while. You podcast, and then you separate until the next recording. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, your Panthers we have to talk about because Uh they've been on a tear. They have been on a tear, but Uh today, we'll see. We we Uh, will see. You know what? I have to say, I think the Panthers got us, and you know why I'm saying this. Oh, don't say that, you bastard. <laughs> you bastard motherfucker. I gotcha. I gotcha. Don't you put that I gave my vote us? of confidence. I no, I, I said that they sucked last time and then they kept winning. Now I'm gonna now I'm giving my vote of confidence no, to the Panthers as they're no. gonna beat you my forty nine. We don't today. deserve it. Just hold on to <laughs> nope, it. I believe no, in the Panthers, dude. No, this no, Kyle no. Allen kid has got no, something really. special. We really appreciate it. <laughs> but that Nick Bosa is just too much to handle. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's a good one today, man. We got to get done with this recording so we can check this game out. Maybe yeah, Panthers, at least it's the late undefeated game, so. 49ers and the Panthers that feel undefeated ever since shithead uh, yeah, Kyle Allen. Cam Newton got out of the lineup and, oh. and let the young kid play. 
Well, uh, we'll see, man. No, nah, Cam, Cam's still great. He's just he's, he's something. Obviously, something was bothering him. He couldn't throw the ball more than ten yards. Listen, if Cam can't run over linebackers, he's not Cam. He's got to be That's able true. to do that. He's yeah, the shelf life for running quarterbacks is just not quite the same as guys like Tom Brady who never get touched. You know. That's right. That's right. So I, you know, we all know Cam's not going to play twenty years like fucking Brady did. You just can't when you're running over linebackers and stuff. No, especially not <clears> that big body lumbering that yeah. thing around, man. That's hard on you. Hard on them joints. Yeah. Right. So how's the Halloween season treating you and the fam? You guys hitting any pumpkin patches or anything like that? Uh, yeah, the kids go for school every year. So they got to go. I had to work, obviously. But they had fun, okay. man. They got, like, these big slides they make out of those big, like, sewer tubes. <laughs> you know? Nice. Obviously, they're new. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> Sliding down on shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's better if they're used. They're a lot slipperier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, they have yeah. a good time. They go pick out a pumpkin, you know, draw on it, get some apple cider, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. Which I love wow. apple cider, dude. I can drink yeah. apple cider all day. Yeah, love it, love it. We uh, we had a little trunk or treat, trunk or treat thing up in our little community yesterday. Nice. That was fun, and uh, and also like actually, this case has added a lot to the Halloween season for me because I don't get the chance to watch as many scary movies as I like to do during the Halloween season. Right. Because with the kids, it's just like always Paw Patrols on TV, and you know, I can't. <laughs> Every time I turn it off, we try to put it on the tablet for him, but I can't have yeah. freaking like Halloween Michael Myers slaying people with my kid right there because right. he's going to still look at the TV. So, oh, he's going to definitely though, just look at the TV. He's going to be like, fuck oh, Paw Patrol. Sure. I'm checking this yeah. out. Yeah, this lady just got freaking like stabbed through her neck. That's exactly. Crazy. Kids love that stuff. They can't look away. Yeah. Then so, they hate it. <laughs> but this, this audio book, I've been able to put on the headphones while I'm hanging out with the fam and, and listen to this and it's kept me because it's it's a creepy book dude and like creepy case i'm not all that into the paranormal stuff but right. this one was a good one like as far as that goes like this book gave me chills at times oh yeah yeah so. for sure man it's it's that kind of it's got some backup to it it's like if, if you believe in this or if you believe it's a hoax i can kind of see your point right you know what i mean the yeah. more you look into it it's kind of hard to to really make concrete choice Yes or no. And I think that's what's gave it so much success in the media. That's why it keeps getting redone. Was there like 30 movies made about right, right. this? Yeah, the, 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 there was a lot of circumstantial stuff that would lead you to believe that they weren't lying. The, the That being the Lutz family that moved into this house, which we'll, we'll get into all the crazy details. But the fact that they, they bought this house at a, like really underpriced, like this beautiful home in a nice area, sitting on the water for like a third of what it should have costed and then within what was it within 28 days they moved out yeah and just left all their shit behind like, <laughs> like we don't even care <laughs> it's like that's really going a long way to sell your story of seeing ghosts and stuff you know and then also like there were witnesses like police said that they had weird experiences and like the priest obviously the priest right yeah so i mean we'll get into all of that but we'll, we'll we'll start with you know the crimes that made this this town and this this house infamous and then uh the potential ghost stuff after that. So go ahead and cue the intro. Let's get into this. There was nothing but bad in that house. I was going to burn it to the ground. That's the truth. I was going to burn it to the ground. I just pray to God it don't happen to nobody else. That's why I told you. Anybody buys that house and got kids and move in there, come on, man. You got to be, you really got to be. Something wrong with you, wrong with you, wrong with you. The lyrics to the following song are not our own. They belong to an online poem entitled The Amityville Horror. The earliest posting I could find for said poem was in 2014 by a user named Neptune Omega. 
So whoever the author is, it's really obvious what they're trying to portray in this poem. The words are blunt. The words are honest. They take you back to that night. It was just missing that one thing all my favorite poems have. Music. Music. My mind didn't used to go back Recalling memories of terror About an island far away Memories so frightening and cold As the white snow winter Inspired by stories told About blood and murder In a small town In a side house Hidden from the eyes of men Unholy slaughter takes place in a town called Amityville inside the house of hell there are always voices voices of the dead It's dark, my mind continues to go back, recalling memories of terror about an island far away. All the ghost All stuff the ghost is bullshit. Stuff is bullshit. All right, our case this week is the Amityville Horror. Never heard of it. The crimes, yeah, yeah. Who hasn't heard of this one? Like you said, there's been a million movies and books made about it. Right, uh, but you're probably got, very confused if you haven't looked into this. You're probably very confused. That's how I was. Oh, no, you didn't really know much. Apart. You hadn't seen any of the. Had you seen any of the movies or anything going into this? I've seen, I've seen some, yeah, but I don't. I can't tell you which ones I had seen. And then right. I also can't tell you which parts go to which movies. I'm like that confused about it. It's well, been yeah, they time. all kind of blend together. They do. I, I, right. I, I remember more so the one with Ryan Reynolds more than anything because that was the most recent oh, one. And yeah. I, I remember seeing, I don't know if I saw it in theaters, but I know I definitely that saw it. That was 2005. Yeah. So it's still been freaking 14 years since then, yeah. which is crazy to think. But uh, I remember seeing that one when it came out and enjoying it. But I didn't, I don't think I knew much back then about really what had gone on and stuff and never really looked extensively into it i just kind of heard there was murders in this house and then there's ghosts right going well, on afterwards right off the bat dude i don't believe in ghost so right like me neither. this didn't really it doesn't really it didn't really attract me like to okay. look into it throughout my life you know what i'm saying yeah that being i didn't said, really put any stock into it the book i, I think the older i get the more i start to lean towards because I, I was always like ghost whatever you know, but like the the older I get, the more I start to just kind of like allow the at least inkling of the idea of maybe there's spirits that are among us, you know. Yeah. And maybe they have an, uh, an ability to affect our 
surroundings and physical, you know, nature around us, which there's an explanation for the cold that they were experiencing in the home. Supposedly that's the uh, spirit or the ghost sucking. They, they need to absorb heat in order to be able to affect the physical world. Right. So like when the room would get cold all of a sudden, that was means they were moving something or doing something physically grabbing you along those, something along those lines. Right. And but, I guess to be fair, when I say that I don't believe in ghosts, I, I mean to say I have no reason to believe in ghosts because I've right. never experienced anything like that. But I also know how, how powerful the mind is. The mind can make you see some crazy shit. Right. Like when you're, especially if you're afraid, or especially if ideas of murder and gore and ghosts have already been planted into your subconscious. And now you're in a high tent, you know, a high. Well, you're living, yeah. Especially if you're living in a house where six people were just slain, an entire family were just slain and you bought it like uh, a year later, you know? Exactly. And, And everyone else is afraid of it, then yeah, you're you have more of a tendency to be hyper aware of every little noise that's made, you know, all that Absolutely. type of thing. But with that being said, do I want to stay at the Amityville Horror House? No, Hell no. I do not. Hell no. No. So, you so know what's that's, crazy? That's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, I'm keeping an open mind. Yeah. It's funny, too, the timing of us doing this case is literally we got our keys to our to our house that we just bought Dude, like was yesterday. somebody killed there? <laughs> no. Not that oh. I know of. We didn't ask, though, you know? <laughs> right. That's not something you ask. Um, but it's now something you mentioned that it, you know, there was told. this odd blood spatter on the walls that you know we had to repaint. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, right? No. <laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, it's just kind of odd because we we're like starting to move stuff into this empty home right now. As I'm reading this freaking book. Yeah, it's probably so, fine. You know. Yeah, it's probably fine. It's probably fine. <clears throat> yeah, there's, as far as I know, there's no demon pigs running around yet. So. Right. <laughs> Good. Just keep a sharp eye, man. Right. The only <laughs> I think I talked about it on this podcast. The only experience I could say where maybe I experienced some kind of a ghost situation was I, I told you I was in bed one night and I felt this pressure on my feet yeah and I thought I thought the dog had like jumped on the bed and was laying on my feet and I looked and there was nothing there hmm but it could have been one of the the dog or the cat jumped on my feet and before I like opened my eyes and looked down there they jumped off because by That's the time right. I looked the pressure was gone yeah cats so are, it was very cats strange. can move without making any sound man my cats yeah. jump on me all the time while I'm sleeping and I have no idea they're coming either. They're excellent oh, no, predators. Dude. They're, they can, they're they can unbelievable, kill me if they right? Yeah. I, there's literally times we've been living in a tiny trailer for like eight months. And if we don't want to, like, if we're looking for the cat and she doesn't want us, we cannot fucking find her. <laughs> like, we're like, the cat obviously got out. Like, she, we better start looking around the yard. We're like, what is this, 700 square feet? We got to find this bitch. <laughs> dude, not even. It's like 300 square feet. And she fucking disappears. It's amazing. And then all of a sudden, she'll just be, like, standing behind us. We turn around, there she is. Where the (laughs) fuck did you come from? Crazy. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's funny. Yeah, so, yeah, let's let's get into it. So, let's let's start at the beginning. 30 miles outside of New York City, nestled in the Long Island town of Amityville, stands the house forever linked to the Amityville horror phenomenon. On November 13th, 1974, the estate was the scene of a mass murder using a 35 Marlin rifle, 23-year-old, Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family while they slept, which included his parents and four siblings. Thirteen months later, the Lutz family purchased the five-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath home at a drastically reduced price of $80,000 due to the murders, but only lasted 28 days before leaving it. Their spine-tingling tales of paranormal activity is what propelled the legend of the Amityville Horror, uh, America's Most Haunted House, and spawned a torrent of books, documentaries, and films. 
the book that we got for this case was the Amityville Horror, written in 1977, uh, shortly after the events of the family, the Lutz family moving into it. It's called Amityville Horror, A True Story. It was published in September of 1977. This kind of spawned the whole... This book kind of spawned the whole craze that surrounded this Amityville horror. Oh, yeah, no Wouldn't doubt. But you agree? Like, this is this is what kind of got that fire burning. Yeah. And supposedly the Lutz family, they, they sat down and they did these recordings, these, like, you imagine in the 70s, what kind of, you had to be, like, the Mindhunter type recordings with the little spinning tape and all that. Oh, right, uh, right. They sat down with the tape recorder and they recorded themselves shortly after the events um, and gave detailed description of everything that happened during that uh 28 days they were there and that's that's what they based this book off of the author sat down with them listened to these recordings they gave their consent they made a lot of money off these books so if that's uh-huh. that's one that mm-hmm. yeah that's that's, that's one what i was nas- just about to say <laughs> that's one side of it that would maybe lead you to believe yeah they're full of shit yeah that's what i was just about to say they're like oh let's buy this house for a bargain we know we yeah. can probably always get our money back even if they yep. just demolish it and then we'll live in it, mm-hmm. create some crazy stories, sell some books, make a lot of money. Right. And then sell the house and make more money. Exactly. I so, I mean, but we'll, we'll get into all that, all the stuff that happened in there, supposedly happened to them during that 28-day span. It did still legitimately freak me out because it was so well-written, this book, that it gets you kind of like sucked into this family. You feel like you're living in this house with them, and then like little by little, crazier and crazier stuff starts to happen. You know, so... It scared me, like it creeped me out more so than the the movies that I saw about this case. Wow, really? It did, yeah. Man, I I, I got into it with the audiobook. I, it was it was well done. Okay, so. interesting. So let's dive into the actual crime, though, that happened that led to this this house becoming haunted, supposedly. Well, supposedly it was actually some type of a, a Native American burial ground situation as well. Right. Uh, there was and, there was not so much a burial ground, but it was a Native American like. Um, Shelter where sick and like uh, dying people were stay or were kept mm-hmm. way back, and then also uh, there was some uh, occult weirdo that was buried like at the northeast corner of the property at this at this home. Right, wasn't his and last so, name Ketchum? Yeah, it was something along those lines. Yeah. Ketchum. Yeah, he was like some sort of cult leader, artist type, and he lived near the property. Yeah, and wanted and he to was be buried, buried on the at property, the property. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, the family found some well. The father, supposedly, the Lutz father, found a well that had been, like, kind of buried in the concrete in the foundation of the home. There's, like, a little hole, and he could see down in there, and supposedly that's where the spirits were coming out of the well. And then he never, like, in the book, he ne- they never said that he tried to cover that. Cause, like, I was about to say, just put, like, a brick over it or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, Problem solved, bitch. <laughs> Dude, what the hell? Can't get out now, can you, demons? <laughs> Can't move bricks, <laughs> right? I mean, I feel like this is a simple solution. Put a little caulk in there, man. Depending on how big the hole is, you know what I'm saying? You're good to go, right? I don't, I don't see why this is a problem. What's that shit that uh, Billy Mays used to sell? <laughs> some, All that, some of that in the spray insulation. Yeah, sure. whatever the shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah can, put some of that in make there. Make your boat float again if it had a <laughs> hole in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a spray patch. Yeah. yeah, that's what you need, man. You just need a little spray patch on that, man. Right. <laughs> Oh shit! Demons uh, flooding into your house from a old well. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. A couple yeah. sprays from spray patch. <laughs> yeah. You'll Rest be demon in peace, free. Billy Mace. He was one of the best. Yeah, he the was. best to ever do it. 
All right, so let's talk about the crimes. Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. was born September 26, 1951 in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, He shares a birthday with Serena Williams and Olivia Newton-John. Mm. Pretty good group there, you know. Yeah, you got a really. great, a great tennis, one of the greatest tennis players ever, and then you got—I uh, forget her name in Greece. That's really all I know her from, Olivia Newton-John. Oh, she was yeah. the, the lead actress in in Greece. She's done um, way more than that, but I'm drawing a blank as well. Yeah, I mean, but she's a little before our time, really. Mm, fair and enough. probably a lot of our audience's time too. DeFeo was the oldest of five children, born to Ronald, a successful car salesman, and Luis DeFeo. Ronald Sr. worked at his father-in-law's Brooklyn Buick dealership and provided the family with a comfortable upper-class middle lifestyle. He also served as a domineering authority figure and engaged in hot-tempered fights with his wife and children. The most frequent target of abuse, however, was their oldest child, Butch, uh, whom he was, uh, whom they expected much of, the, the oldest son they expected a lot out of, and he wasn't well, living normal. up to their expectations. Is that's it? always. Yeah, I Is feel it? like that's always. Is that what I have to try and avoid as a father? With this, my my son's the oldest of the two. I got to try not oh. to expect too much from him. Yeah, you're gonna expect a lot of him. You're gonna expect him to watch out for your sister and take care of it. Oh, don't I do that because she's gonna oh, do that. She's doing that because she's watching you. You yeah, can't do that. That's the you most trouble he gets her. into already. Yep. <laughs> it's is like either he hurts his sister yep. either intentionally or accidentally or, yeah. Yeah, that's and it it, it still hasn't gone away for my younger two. Because he's yeah. the older brother, and then she's the younger sister, and they're about what are they four years apart? So. Yeah, it's like it's like in F is for family. You're the little baby can't do any wrong, little baby girl. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right. You, if you hurt her, I'll put you through that fucking wall. <laughs> put you through that fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. So uh, Butch wasn't living up to the the parents' expectations, and it only got worse at school, where the overweight and brooding body, uh, brooding boy, was the victim of relentless taunting from his classmates. As DeFeo matured, he began lashing out physically against his father as well as his new friends. He concerned uh, his concerned family took him to a psychiatrist, but the visits didn't sit well with DeFeo, who denied that he needed any help. The trips to the doctor stopped, and in, in their place, the DeFeos used the incentive of cash and presents, including a $14,000 speedboat, in the hopes that the gifts would placate their troubled son. What but the hell? Yeah, if your son's I'm seeing a few really lashing here. out, just buy more stuff for him, right? Just That's a great... keep encouraging that. Just show how afraid of him you are. He needed a hey, good son, ass whooping, dude. Son, you got expelled. We're really disappointed, and to show you our disappointment, we bought you a speedboat. <laughs> 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 go now, take it out on the please, waters. Go out on the lake. Maybe they just wanted him to like die out there or something. They're like, you know, he doesn't know how to drive a boat. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the kid's creeping me out. <laughs> he crashes it. He dies, and we get the insurance money paid right. out. Right. And he doesn't kill us. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> the new tactic only made the problems worse. Shocker. By the age of seventeen, DeFeo had become an LSD and heroin user and was expelled from school for his violent outbursts. In spite of his mm. academic setbacks, the DeFeos continued to reward their son. At the age of 18, DeFeo received a prized possession at his, grand, um, at his grandfather's car dealership with n- little to no expectations. So he got a brand new car now. Speedboat for no, getting I into trouble. No, I think he got a job. He gave him a job. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm sure he gave him it's a car, now. too. You know he got a car. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're working a- at your grandfather's car dealership. You got a car. And he was a, obviously a great employee, right? Selling oh, cars like crazy. Probably the best. Probably every no. time he didn't make a sale, his grandfather gave him a raise. 
Yeah, so he also earned an, a weekly stipend from his father, regardless of his attendance or job performance at work. Feo funneled his salary into his new car, another present from his parents, as well as guns, alcohol, and drugs. Jesus. Yeah, so just keep rewarding him with speedboats, cars, and it, right. you know what? Give him some guns. He's really well, like, yeah. <laughs> really well adjusted. He seems mentally. well grounded to me. I yeah. Mean. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into some of the conflicts with his father. DeFeo's strange behavior seemed to only increase with time. He threatened a friend with a rifle during a hunting trip, then later that day acted as if nothing happened. He also attempted to shoot his father with a 12-gauge shotgun during a fight between his parents. DeFeo pulled the trigger at point-blank point range, but the gun malfunctioned. Yeah, this right here, this is the time where he needs that ass whooped right now. Like, you've already waited too late. He just tried to kill you. Dude, I, you like, know I know. I mean? Like, this changes love- everything. The love the parents have for their children is, is like knows no bounds. I understand all that, how parents stand by, even like their serial killer kids and all that. But like, dude, your gun, I mean, your son puts a 12 gauge to your head and pulls the trigger. And the only thing that stopped that from like actually murdering you was the gun malfunction. Like, whoo, that's, that's tough. That to kid's get out of here. Let me. me tell you that's why. Tough. Because let me tell you why. Because I have other children that yeah. I love just as much. And I'm right. not going to have put them and my wife in danger for your crazy ass. Like that exactly. just wouldn't happen, man. Like yeah, it, and if, and if like it's you your said, only getting child, getting that ass whooped, getting that ass whooped yep. with that shotgun, That's... I'm beating the brakes off of that. <laughs> like you tried to kill me, mother. He <laughs> <laughs> fuck out of him. Yeah. That's at that because he's a man, right? At this, he killed him at 23 years yeah. old. Yeah, he's a man. Yeah, this is yeah. We're talking man age now. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. His surprised father ended the argument, was left, but was left stunned by the confrontation. The incident foreshadowed the more violent events to come. In 1974, DeFeo, feeling irritated by what it, uh, he believed to be a meager salary, plotted methods of embezzling money from the car dealership. So just all, everything they've given him is not it's enough. It's never enough. But, I mean, it's really their fault at this point. You know, obviously he wasn't well-adjusted growing up, but it seems like they really, this is more uh, nurture than nature with him. Agreed. To me, they raised a spoiled freaking brat is what they did. Yep. 100%. And maybe he would have had maybe he would have had uh, mental issues either way, but they definitely made it worse with their behavior. <clears throat> in late in late October, the dealership entrusted him with the responsibility of depositing more than twenty thousand twenty thousand dollars to the bank. Why would they do that? What unbelievable in this right? kid's character leads you to believe he is capable of handling that much money responsibly? We need uh, to find a trusty employee of this car dealership to. To do the most important right. task, which is take the week's <laughs> earnings to the bank. Right, he's over I there shuffling through somebody else's desk. Huh? Better than old Butch, who shows up late every fucking day, bitching, probably has coke on his fucking mustache, like, <laughs> <laughs> drugged out of his mind. Oh my <laughs> Unbelievable. Right, he's you over know, there trying to borrow a dollar from somebody. Yeah. Maybe the fact that he had his own speedboat helped, like, the maybe the, the fucking bank was across the river or something, and he's like, you know, Butch has got a, a boat. He can get there quicker. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. I think it was probably nobody else. Yeah. To no one's surprise, DeFeo planned a mock robbery with a friend, agreeing to split the money evenly with his accomplice. The plan went off without a hitch until the police came to the dealership to question him. Instead of calmly answering the officer's questions, DeFeo exploded into rage, when police, suspicious that DeFeo was lying, asked him to come into the station to check out mugshots of possible suspects, he refused to comply. Ronald Sr. began to suspect that his son had committed... Oh, really? Committed the robbery. <laughs> <Wait a minute. laughs> but when he questioned his son about the lack of cooperation with police, DeFeo threatened to kill him. Wow. This time, the gun's not going to mal- malfunction. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Jesus. <clears throat> so that's, this takes us to the inevitable murder of the family. Uh, in the early morning hours of November 13th, 1974, DeFeo acted on his threat using a 35 caliber Marlin rifle from his secret gun stash. He entered his parents' bedroom and shot them both while they slept. He then entered his brother's bedroom, shooting them both in the head um, while sleeping in their beds. He ended the, by shooting his sisters point blank in their bedrooms as well. All of the murders took place within 15 minutes. DeFeo then showered, dressed for work, and collected his bloody clothing and the murder weapon in a pillowcase. He dumped the evidence in a storm drain on the way to work at the dealership at 6 a.m. It's probably the first time he was ever on time to work. Yeah. That's probably one, one, thing, one thing that made the police suspicious. <laughs> Wait a minute. He showed up on time when? Right. The, the, <laughs> the night after his family's murder. He's, he's at work drinking coffee 15 minutes early. Right. He's already made a sale. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Upon arriving at work, DeFeo called home pretending not to know why his father hadn't shown up for work, saying he was bored around noon. He then left and spent the day with friends. Uh, he attempted to secure an alibi by telling each of the people he visited that he could not seem to reach anyone at home. At 6 p.m., he called a friend in mock, in mock surprise, saying that someone had broken into the house and shot his family. So hmm. I, I get the feeling when he was hanging out with friends, there were probably a bunch of douchebags like him doing drugs and shit together. Like, I don't think he ever talked about, like, oh, I can't get a hold of my family. Like, I don't think he gave a shit, you know? Like, he seems all, all of a sudden concerned for his family when he tried to kill his dad before, you know? Like, I don't right. think... It's clear he doesn't like his family, and all of a sudden he's acting like, I can't get a hold of him. What's going on? Yeah. To me, like, weird. his friends must have been like, dude, what you, what, what's going on here? Oh, yeah. They're definitely suspicious <clears throat> of him. Yeah. <clears throat> so, the investigation uh, with the police. Friends came to the home and contacted authorities when Suffolk, when a Suffolk County, County uh, detective questioned DeFeo about who could be a suspect in these murders. He told him he believed mafia hitman Luis, uh, Luis Fellini may have been responsible. This, this reminds me quite a bit of the uh, Menendez brothers, how they tried, they, yes. they killed their own parents and then they tried to act like it was a mob hit. Very similar. Very similar. The, many a, years before the, the Menendez brothers. So this is like the original, the OG. Menendez brother. The OG here. Menendez right here. He was a spoiled brat just like them too. Oh. Crazy. Whoa. A lot of a lot of similarities. Good observation, Lorne. Thank you. Might be getting onto De- something here. <laughs> DeFeo cited an old grudge between the man uh, the maid man and the family over some work DeFeo did for him at a dealership. He then told police he had gone uh, been up late watching TV and unable to sleep left for work early. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> He said he believed the family was alive when he left for work. He then told them of the whereabouts for the rest of that day. Police placed DeFeo in protective custody as they searched for a suspect. So they initially believed him. Um, and, of course, they, they started to put a lot of stuff together. And uh, But, you know, what kind of what I was thinking about uh, when I was describing the murders is it kind of it, – it's suspicious that he used a high-powered rifle, right? Thirty-five caliber. That's, I guess that's not that high caliber. It's right. Like, not much bigger than a twenty-two or something, but it, he used a rifle to right. kill all of these, and they were all like, as far as like the investigation afterwards, it, it's it's known that they all were like sleeping when he shot them, like they were lying face down, mm-hmm. and it's odd that none of them woke up, you know, like how how was he able um, to shoot all of them in their sleep with a rifle, and like the, supposedly none of the neighbors heard any noise either, they didn't hear any gunshots. Yeah, that is kind of suspicious. And there was no silencer on the gun. That was one of the first things I thought of. I was like, he must have had a silencer, right? Right. I mean, because wouldn't the other kids get up to flee? But, I mean, if he's 23 and he's not the oldest, right? 
I think he is the oldest son. Oh, yeah. he is the oldest. Well, so he's 23, so all of his siblings are younger than him and mm-hmm. probably all look up to him. And hearing those shots, they may not have woke up immediately. I mean, my kids have slept through thunderstorms, man, where it's like rattling the house. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. They don't even, they don't even flinch. But, I mean, if, obviously if he shot one of the house. children first, then he'd have a fight on his hands because the father or mother's going to wake up. Right. But shooting them first... But it is strange that the mother wouldn't have, you know, jolted up. Yeah, it's odd. No one, no one heard anything. As far as no the neighbors, ch- right? You know, the, the other family members. But I was thinking, like, as far as the choice of rifle, I'm pretty sure he was using whatever he could get his hands on at the time. Because if his dad was smart, which he seemed like he was, he probably took all the guns. He knew where all the guns were in his house. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And right. And then, <clears throat> yeah, he said the gun was supposedly from his hidden stash, wherever that was. Right. So he had to use whatever his dad didn't know about. So that's probably why he just chose that. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it's kind of odd. I don't know how how no one heard anything like that. But and it's also odd that they were all sleeping on their stomachs. Like, out of what was it, six family members? Like the parents and then the the three siblings or the four siblings or whatever. Like, how are they? You just think statistically, like. Do you sleep on your mm-hmm. stomach? Because I, I sleep on my back. I think most people sleep on their back or on their side, not on their stomach. It's yeah. not good for you to sleep on your stomach. Right. But, I sleep uh, on my stomach sometimes. I out sleep of on my stomach family. with like one leg up. It, it's just, it's almost like, it almost feels as though he like held them at gunpoint and told them to lay face down to me. Like maybe the first ones were awoken and then he bullied them and, and at gunpoint made them lay face down where he shot them because he didn't want to look at them. Something mm-hmm. along those lines. Oh, Yes. <clears throat> that's an yeah. That's a good point. That would make a lot more sense. Cause you're right. Cause when I like all my kids sleep different, and they sleep different every night. Yeah, just the odds the of all six of, all of them six. being face down like that. Yeah, he probably did turn tell him to turn around. Cause yeah. they probably did wake up after the first ones, and he was like, "Get back in bed." Yeah, face your pillow or something. So yeah, after rough. police, after police more carefully searched the family's house. Um, DeFeo's testimony began to crumble. Finding an empty box for a recently purchased 35 caliber Marlin gun in DeFeo's room gave authorities pause. Don't! As the, yeah, <laughs> come on, bro. He got Jesus. rid of the gun, but not the box. <laughs> Fucking idiot. I might want to return that. Yeah. <laughs> As the timeline came together, it seemed more realistic that the murders had happened early in the morning. The family had still been wearing their pajamas, so it couldn't have happened earlier in the day. Placing DeFeo at the home at the time of the homicides, when authorities questioned DeFeo about the new evidence, he began changing his story. He said that Fellini, the uh, mob boss, had appeared at the house early that morning and put a revolver to DeFeo's head. He then said Fellini had an accomplice drag him through room to room as they murdered his family. As the story unraveled, police extradited a confession from DeFeo. He finally broke down and said, once I started, I just couldn't stop. He said it went so fast. So he finally uh, gives in. He was, I mean, he's just not a mentally tough or physically tough dude. He was a spoiled little brat. So yeah. police, police being real men were able to break this dude pretty easily. Yeah. You know, once they started facing him with any real evidence, he didn't have any answers for it. No, he didn't think this through. This was just a passionate rage, and he always gets what he wants, so he acted on what he wanted at the exact time. Yeah, and That's it's like, why? It, what would the mob boss have to gain from dragging you through and, and tormenting you by killing your whole family and then not killing you, like just letting right. you free? Exactly. Because they, they love living witnesses to, to their crimes, right, mob people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, dude. They, <laughs> loose ends all over the place. The more loose ends, the better. <laughs> right. 
so his uh, his trial began October 14th, 1975, nearly a year from the date of the murders. DeFeo's defense attorney, William Weber, attempted an insanity plea for him, and the murder suspect told jurors that he heard voices that told him to kill his family. The psychiatrist for the defense, Dr. Daniel Schwartz, supported the claim, saying DeFeo was neurotic and suffered from disassociative disorder. I think that's accurate. I think he probably disassociated with life in general because his life was so damn easy. Yes. And he got what he wanted. And plus, he was on psychedelics a lot. You're going to start to feel disconnected. Yeah, LSD, man. We talked about Herbert Mullen. Yes. And he was definitely hearing voices, dude. If you're doing a lot of it, and he had money, so I'm sure he was doing a lot of LSD. That's right. That explains the voices. That explains the voices very much so. Yep. Yeah. Uh, The psychiatrist for the defense uh, supported the claim, as we said, but the psychiatrist for the prosecution, Dr. Harold Zolan, proved that DeFeo suffered from antisocial personality disorder. The illness made him the defendant aware of his actions, but motivated by a self-centered attitude. I'd say that's accurate. That's pretty damn accurate. Not a very good uh, diagnosis there, doctor. I think we could really kind of side with both psychiatrists because the the psychiatrist for the defense saying that he was he was suffering from disassociative disorder and hearing mm-hmm. voices that that could be explained by the LSD. I, I believe that, but then also the psychiatrist for the prosecution saying that it was motivated by a self centered attitude. I would say also. I think he was trying to get paid out by life insurance and shit too. You know, we know he liked money, right? And wanted more of it, and his parents were in the way of that. Um, jurors agreed with the assessment, and on November 21st, 1975, they found Fayo guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to six consecutive life sentences and sent to Greenhaven Correctional Facility in Beekman, New York. His appeals to the parole board have all been turned down. He still sits in prison right now. He's still alive. Wow. Um, yeah, and so after his imprisonment, several novels and films appeared about the slayings, first of them entitled The Amityville Horror, A True Story, which is the book we read for this, and this is where we get into, you know, it was obviously a lot of movies and stuff like that, but the the book that we got and we wanted to talk about, the Lutz family's experiences after moving into this home where all the, this whole family of the DeFeos were murdered. The account followed the Lutz family who lived in the DeFeo house after the murders. The story detailed alleged true stories of poltergeists that terrorized the Lutz family. Let's get into this. Let's get into the paranormal side of this. Let's get into this discussion. We had true crime, and now let's have uh, (laughs) not-so-true ghost stories. (laughs) Not-so-true happenings. Yeah. Um, in December 1975, George and Kathleen Lutz would purchase the property for $80,000, considered a bargain at the time. They were informed the, of the house's dark history before making the final decision to buy the Dutch colonial home. Now, whether or not they were uh, oblivious to that, even going into making the offer, can be speculated about. There's some talk that George Lutz uh, dabbled in some occult stuff prior to this. And, mm-hmm. you know, we speculated a little bit that maybe this, he was looking at this as an opportunity to yeah. live there, buy a house at a bargain, sell it later for more, and also to like make up some shit and write a book about it. Yeah, it's a great plan. People are people are more brilliant than what you give them credit for, especially when it comes to greed. Right, um, but so but the book would lead you to believe. The book said that the true story is that they didn't know; they just saw this house that fit everything they wanted. It was a little bit out of their price range, mm-hmm. um, but because he he worked for like a land sur- I think he either had his own land surveying company or he worked for land. He did like land surveying for construction, and it was a little slow. There wasn't a lot of construction going on. Right, he wasn't making a lot of money. Um, at least not this house was kind of out of their even still as cheap as it was. It was still like beyond anything they ever thought they would get, and he was still immediately stressed out 
about all the bills associated with a place like this. Right. Um, the family consisted of George and Kathleen and Kathleen's three children from a previous marriage. So George was the stepfather. Um, they had, they had a son, Daniel, nine years old, a son, Christopher, who was seven, and a daughter named Melissa that went by Missy. She was five years old, and she would play a large role in, in a lot of this stuff because she was, like, directly communicating with it, with at least one demon in this household that was in the shape of a pig, pig form. Um, right. A very impressionable also, child at five years old. Which is so, like, horror movie, right? Like, it it's is. always the kids that There's are, like, There's a pig with glowing eyes. With, it's always the, the youngest daughter that's, like, friends with the demon okay. right. every time. Well, first off, pigs are creepy, okay? Pigs, yes. are, pigs are Especially are demon pigs creepy. with red eyes. And they eat anything. <laughs> she could have saw yeah. a pig, like, eating another pig. Who knows? And she was like, oh, my God, that's that's terrible. You know, they lived out they lived out in farmland and stuff, right, on the lake? Yeah. Kind of. So who knows? And then she could have put those two together. I know my six-year-old, man, she comes up with some crazy stuff she's afraid of. She'd yeah. just be making stuff up, man, just from videos and stuff in their subconscious. Yeah, exactly. They also owned a crossbreed Malamute and Labrador dog named Harry, who was a badass alert like watchdog that uh, George loved to have around because they, he would basically sleep outside. Um, he had his own doghouse, and the dog, like anything in the middle of the night, any movements, the dog would immediately let them be aware of uh, someone creeping around and that that played a role in driving george nuts because the dog would always be seeing stuff in the mm-hmm. middle of the night and then eventually the dog just started getting real sleepy and didn't see a damn thing anymore because the demons supposedly kind of like put some spell on the dog to like make him drugged up okay i have another theory when the dog first gets there it doesn't know it's surrounding so it's probably suspicious and on edge of everything so it barks mm-hmm. at everything at first and then once it realizes that those sounds are just waves crashing in the lake or boats going by or whatever, then they'll be like, oh, it's just normal things. And they get used to it and they calm down. Yeah. All right. Mystery solved. Explained. Explained. You're How welcome. about the boathouse door always coming unlocked after he locks it? And, and uh, yeah, his, George's behavior gets crazy. His supposedly. kids were probably going in there when he wasn't looking. Right. Easy. Next. Definitely not, definitely not a pig <laughs> demon. Pigs, they they have hoofs. How can they unlock anything? Pigs can't even look up, you know? They don't even have thumbs, Fokker. Yeah. (laughs) You ever seen a pig on its two back legs? That'd be crazy. Stupid. Just trying to open a door. (laughs) Their tiny little legs trying to carry that fat body. It's just not going to work. Like, I'll outrun a demon pig all day. Hell yeah. I'll take a bunch of sharp turns. Fucking pig. Probably fall over. (laughs) They're so unbalanced. They are. They're so top heavy. Yeah. The Lutz family moved in December 19, 1975. Much of the DeFeo family's furniture was still in the house because it was included for $400. Yeah, so George Lutz, not only did he supposedly, according to the story, he was like like us, like ghost demons. This is his 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 him telling the story. He's saying, I don't believe in any of that crap. At least I didn't then Yeah. when I when we bought this house. And so much to the point where he even bought like the beds from the, the estate, like the DeFeo estate, like they were on hold, but you could like, they were available for purchase with the home or whatever. Yeah. He had them, like, brought out of storage, like, the fucking beds that the families were murdered in. Like, to me, that says, like, this dude wanted this shit as, like, artifacts because he was into this. Like, yep. who the fuck, even if you don't believe in ghosts, even if you don't believe in ghosts, it's still disgusting to buy a bed that someone was fucking shot in. It, like, absolutely. Come on, man. Yeah, that's just not... Ugh. It's just not right. You just don't do that. Still uneasy. He yeah. bought, like, all this shit. I think he wanted to turn this place into a museum or something. You got it. Uh, that's a backup plan. <laughs> That's a backup plan. You know, if it all fails, at least you could come in yeah. and feel creeped out, you know? 
Yep. But it turned out better than he expected, I imagine. Yeah. So the family, after they've discovered that there was these murder, this family that was murdered in the home, uh, they thought, you you know, we don't really believe in ghosts and whatnot, but we probably should have our priest. They had a priest uh, that the book went used the uh, surname or whatever the the fake name of uh, Father Mancuso. It really his real name was um, disguised. You can find it if you're so in- inclined, but I'm not going to say it on here because obviously the guy wants to remain private. Um, but the the book called the priest Father Mancuso played quite a big role in this. The family calls him up and asks if they if he would come bless the home considering the prior events that had occurred there. Um, he had a busy schedule. He was a lawyer, judge of the Catholic court, and psychotherapist who lived at a local sacred heart uh, rectory. Um, he agreed to to take some time out of his busy schedule, stop by, and give a quick blessing to the home. He arrived to perform the blessing while George and Kathy were unpacking their belongings on the afternoon of December 18th and went into the home alone to carry out the business while they were unloading boxes and everything. He starts walking around. And uh, he walks into a room on the second floor and flicks the first uh, bit of holy water and began to pray when he says he heard from clearly right behind him. It sounded like someone was standing directly behind him with a very loud voice say, get out. Yeah. Um, and he, shook he him. was by himself, right? Yes, he okay. was by himself. Right, and supposedly he'd never experienced anything like that, even as a priest, and mm-hmm. was quite shaken from it. Um, he didn't tell the family. Uh, left shortly after, um, he ex- he after experiencing a constant pestering, so he leaves the home, and he's getting a constant bad feeling about that room that he was in where he heard that, and he ends up calling George Lutz and advising him to stay out of that second floor, second room floor where he had heard, uh, the second floor room where he had heard the mysterious voice. Um, it turned out it was the former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew DeFeo, Feo, I guess two of the boy, the male siblings. Right. Uh, that uh, Ronald had killed. Kathy planned to use the uh, room as a sewing room, but the call ended up being cut short by static. That's something that went ongoing throughout this book and the whole the whole supposed true story of the Lutz family's experience. Yeah, living a lot there of miscommunication, that, which really helped tell the story. Every time they tried to talk to their priest, if the priest would call them or they would call the priest, either the phone would ring off the hook mm-hmm. uh, for the person calling, but the other person would not hear the phone ring. Or they would actually get into contact with each other briefly before a large crackling, like static sound, would cut the phone call short. Um, mm. That was ongoing. They probably just had bad reception, right? Dude, we have that all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Landlines <laughs> back in the seventies are pretty solid, though, dude. Landline, it's not like, well, yeah, maybe. But you know what? Yeah. If it happens once or it happens twice, they're gonna say it happened all the time, and it probably yeah. really didn't. Yeah. Also, maybe this is just the white person in me. But if I heard a voice or something like that, the first thing I'm going to do is holler at somebody else to come listen and see if they hear it. <laughs> That's just what yeah. I would do. You know what I mean? Because I'm being suspicious. I'm going to be like, I didn't really hear that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Whatever. I'm going to be like, hey, Lauren, come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Yeah, just but of course quiet. the demon's Shh. not going to kind of not going to say shit now. They're, you know, they're a little bashful when it comes to crowds. Well, he should speak up. You know? <laughs> I mean, he's all, he's got superpowers. It's two people right. against superpowers now, you know? Exactly. We got to solve this problem. <laughs> yeah. So, following the visit to the house, Father Mancuso allegedly developed a high fever and blisters on his hands, similar to a stigmata. At first, George and Kathy experienced nothing unusual in the house. Um, it didn't take long, however, for things to get for things to get crazy at the one twelve Ocean Avenue home, and go from strange to straight terrifying. 
for them. Um, yeah, so Mancuso, Father Mancuso, he was like on death's door following this. He His fever got up to like 104, mm-hmm. and he was basically uh, hospitalized and thought he was going to die. And also he had like blisters on his hands. Uh, that, that every time he talked to the to George over the phone, it was his blisters would get worse, and he knew this was that he had he had come in talk supposedly come in contact with with the dark, uh, you know, dark uh, spirits. Or and, uh, he needs to disinfect that phone, bro. Like what the hell? Right. He's got some. He's got some shitty bacteria on that phone. And yeah, he thinks every time he's talking to George, his, it's the demons. Yeah. But his phone, it's his, his phone's, phone's all filthy fucking, as shit. Like crawling with bacteria. He's just like, I don't know, George. I'm, I'm gonna have to hang up. My my hand is burning. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about their experiences subsequently, the Lutz family reported that it was as if they were living each in a different home because they all had such different experiences. Um, mm. so let's go through some, let's, let's go through the bullet points, some of the experiences that they had at the Lutz family that, uh, were described throughout this book. Um, George never really got a full night's sleep ever from that, during that entire 28 days they lived there. Every single morning he would wake up at 3.15 a.m. Um, and he would go out and look out the window to check out the boathouse. He was drawn to the boathouse. He was obsessed with the boathouse and he doesn't, he didn't, he never really, uh, figured out what it was about the boathouse that uh, that did this, but it's um, also was estimated that 3:15 a.m. was about the time of the murders uh, that uh, Ronald killed his family. Right. So odd that George started waking up at 3 a.m. and he started looking just like Ronald DeFeo. The longer he was there, he stopped shaving. Stopped. He didn't shower like the entire 28 days he was there. Uh, <laughs> he started basically becoming Ron- like the crazy Ronald DeFeo that killed his family. The house uh, was plagued by swarms of flies in the winter weather that would like all gather up on this one window seal. The mm. book described that several times, and and George was just like, "How could this be? Like flies die out; they only live for a short period, and then when winter comes, they die off. Like how could they be here on this window that's leading to the outside? The window's cold, you know, the window pane because it was like leading to the outside once during ag- winter. Once again, another problem that probably could be solved with a little caulk. You know, go around your windows, keep little the flies caulk and out. disinfectant. Yeah, as well. <laughs> and just yeah, if the flies are coming in because it's warm, man, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have them even when winter changes. If your house is warm and not sealed, right? <laughs> what was it? Oh, was it a flexi spray or some shit? What was that shit called? <laughs> you're so flex seal. Flex seal. That's what it was. Flex seal. Okay. Yeah, get a little flex seal around your windows, and it'll keep the flies out, man. God, easy peasy. Swarms of flies around your windows. Get your flexi seal. Right. <laughs> Don't leave old fruit in your house. Yeah, you know, demon like pigs that. coming through your through a <laughs> small hole in your <laughs> your daughter's closet. There's yeah. a little flex seal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, some more things that that occurred. Kathy had vivid nightmares about the murders and discovered the order in which they occurred and the rooms in which they took place, without looking into them or looking through reports. And a lot of the stuff that she found out supposedly was never even reported to the public. Or media, like right. she de- she determined how they were killed, that they were laying face down, and like that stuff supposedly wasn't even like public knowledge. Mm-hmm. The Lutz children also began sleeping on their stomachs. That creeped me out. <laughs> the the book got me on that one. <laughs> the fact that like the mom goes in to check on them and she's like they're sleeping on their stomachs and they never did that before. That kind of creeped me out. <laughs> Why? Um, I don't know, dude. Like, like once or twice. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's the Halloween season. I've been listening to this. It's like. I don't know. It just kind of got to me. I, I drive to work in the and it's dark already. I'm going down the mountain, and I was listening to this audio book all week, and it's just like 
the, I had just woken up. It's dark, and I'm listening to this eerie shit. And it was just kind of there was times where I would get chills. <laughs> Kathy would feel the sensation as if being embraced in a loving manner by an unseen force. So yeah, she'd like be sitting down in the kitchen at the table alone. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she'd feel like a like a mother's embrace from behind, like grabbing her shoulders. Why is that so bad? <laughs> I know, right? That yeah, sounds. That massage. actually sounds kind of nice. You just sit in this one chair, and something hugs you. It's like, huh, okay. Now they give me coffee, and I'm ready for work. Michael, you're such a hater of the of the paranormal, man. <laughs> I want you should do a, like a YouTube show where you, no, you like make, make fun of those paranormal <laughs> discovery people, where they go and you just everything they do, you just like stop the tape and like make fun of them. <laughs> Oh, my God, if I had endless time, man. Right. <laughs> George discovered in a small hidden discovered a small hidden room around four by five feet behind shelving in the basement. The walls were painted red, and the room did not appear in the blueprints of the house. There was nothing in there, just r- red walls. And the room came to be known as the Red Room. The room had a profound effect on the dog, Harry, who refused to go near it and cowered as if, some, uh, if sensing something ominous. 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 Um, and also, um, he, he, he brought his wife down there at one point. George did. Brought Kathleen down there and showed her the red room. Mm-hmm. And then supposedly, like, as they were closing the door, he saw a face on the wall, not knowing what the face, like, who the face was. He right. le- then later saw a picture when he looked into records of this house. He finally got creeped out enough that he, like, went to the county and, like, looked up public records and, like, found, like, looked up the loose clippings of of the murders and all that and saw a picture of uh, Ronald DeFeo and he was like that was the face I saw on the wall <laughs> hmm why would Ronald DeFeo be down there I don't know man that, maybe sense. that was his red room maybe he he installed it and he liked he liked the red room man maybe you know it calmed what? him down I, oh god that would red though I think you go insane in there yeah well he was already insane so maybe if you're already insane it's like comforting oh fair enough but you know what <laughs> I, <laughs> I was talking to my wife about this because I was talking about ghosts and stuff. And uh, yeah. I was like, you know, it's not too crazy to believe, especially like these old houses back in the day. They had a lot of dead space in them. Like the walls are very wide. Oh, yeah. No. And the old, old, like, home, uh, old homes that are big, like these old colonial style homes, there's a yes. lot of like noises that just occur, like creaky floors, like, yeah, like how, the pipes how in the walls. How crazy is it and, to believe in these extreme haunting cases where things, they got proof of things that happened or whatever? How crazy is it to think that somebody was just living in there? I mean, oh, they God. could move around. They keep. Have you ever seen the YouTube? Like, there's, there's, um, you can look them up, but like, there's, there's, uh, at least a few occurrences where I've seen where people were living in someone's like attic for years before the people knew. And then like, they finally had like in, they knew stuff was off because they'd be come out in the morning and like shit in the kitchen would be rearranged or like food would be missing. Yeah. And so they thought there was one case where the person finally decided to set up like a camera inside their living room. And this fucker was coming down like through the attic and like full on living in the house, watching TV, fucking, like, oh eating the food on the kitchen, God. cooking shit while the dude was sleeping. See, that's what I'm saying. Back in the day, they didn't have cameras, man. They would have been like, right. ghost, ghost, the TV's on. Yeah. You know, and this person's just hiding behind the curtains like, oh, fuck. Why'd they never right. get up at this hour? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, you, that's, that, there's, there's something to that. And that's possible. I mean, obviously it wouldn't be common, but neither is those stories of people coming out and saying that they experienced all this shit. Exactly. Voices and noises. And it's like, yeah, that's about as uncommon as someone living in your attic, but also possible. Exactly. Um, let's go through more of this. There were cold spots and odors of perfume and excrement in areas of the house where no wind drafts or piping would explain the source. So yeah, when, uh, when uh, George went down to the red room at one point, he said that there was an overpowering stench of human shit, basically. And yeah, that's something that's pretty common. Pumped. 
<laughs> the red room was where the where the septic was pumped out. Out there was like actually a little septic lid there. That's that's what he was smelling. <laughs> right, this red mint. Stop! Don't go in here. You'll it'd die. Be so of funny carbon if dioxide. like all of this shit. It'd be so funny if all of this shit was totally explainable. Like, yeah, you're a dumbass. That's where we pumped the septic. Of course, it smells like shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's how I feel about it, man. Um, well, oh yeah, so the, the perfume thing too, the wife, we talked about how she would feel the embrace of, of this ghost, like touching her mm-hmm. that came along every time it came along with this perfume, like this old lady perfume. So it was like, there was like an older woman that was embracing her and she would smell the perfume first. And then she would know she'd get anxiety. Like I'm about to be touched by a ghost again. Or her perfume was just embedded in the mattress that you had pulled out of storage. Cause you're a freaking weirdo. Yeah, you're a creep that buys beds from people yeah. being shot on them. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, while tending to the fire, George and Kathy saw the image of a demon with half its head blown out. It was burned into the soot in the back of the fireplace, supposedly. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. George was always freezing cold, and like he was always fucking with the, the furnace and constantly stoking the fire. They went through like a whole winter's worth of firewood in like a week. Yeah. Because he was because he just could not get warm. That house wasn't though, insulated like, well. Because how could the people that live there move through the walls? <laughs> Duh. All right. Explained. All right. Moving on to the on. next thing. Michael's going to explain. <laughs> the Lutz's five-year-old daughter Missy developed an imaginary friend named Jody, a demonic pig-like creature with glowing red eyes. Well, kids, kids ex- have imaginary friends. That one's easily explainable. Already yeah. too. Pigs are creepy. Yeah. In the early morning hours of Christmas Day, 1975, George looked up at the house after checking on the boathouse and saw Jody, the demon pig, st- standing behind Missy at her bedroom. That part fucking creeped me out. Dude. I'm not going to lie. In the book, when he looked up and he saw the, d- the demon pig standing behind his daughter, mm-hmm. that part creeped me out a bit. When he ran up to the room, he found her fast asleep with, with, a, with her small rocking chair slowly rocking back and forth by the window. So she was in her room the whole time? She was she was sleeping the whole time. Yeah, so how was she out there in the dark? No, she was standing in the window when he looked up and saw her with the demon pig standing, oh, standing behind standing her. in the window. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, George would wake up to the sound of the front door slamming. He would race downstairs to find the dog sleeping soundly at the front door. Nobody else heard the sound, although it was loud enough to wake the house. Also, there were several times where the door was completely busted off the hinges. He had to have repairmen come out and fix the front door, which he couldn't afford at the moment because he was... Uh, obviously, he over his head with this house. Now, when they're saying front door, are they talking about like storm door, like a screen door? No, the front door to the, the wind home. Here, no, the front, like the legitimate front door of the home was like off the hinges, like someone had kicked it in. But the one time it was it was damaged from the inside, as if someone was trying to get out, like someone was trying to pry the door open from the inside, which mm-hmm. even the repairman found very odd. George. Yeah, George, that part creeped me out a little bit too. Yeah, little <laughs> I needed you there with me, Michael, to sit here and go, "That's bullshit." <laughs> I was actually <laughs> I, I'm trying to much. I'm trying to help you out with that one, but that one's kind of <laughs> creepy to myself. You're right, myself. right. Um, George would hear what was described as a marching band turn, uh, tuning up, or what sounded like a clock radio playing, not quite on frequency. When he went downstairs, the noise would cease. So it was like marching band, like playing music down in the living room, and no one else would hear it. And then he would get to the stairs and look down there, and there was nothing. And he couldn't hear anything once he got to the point where he should be able to hear it. Hmm. Dude in the attic was probably playing like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band or something. (laughs) And then he would turn it down every time he heard them coming. (laughs) That that part reminds me. A lot of this reminds me a bit of The Shining, too, which is one of my favorite movies. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot George of classic realized, haunting stuff in these, both of these stories. Well, yeah, 
the band part specifically, because yeah. like there was times where he would walk into that that big ballroom and like there would be a full on party going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like no one else could see it. Right. Like Ghost Ship. Uh, Remember that movie? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh. Ghost right. Ship? Yeah. Where that metal line like snaps and cuts the whole boat in half, including oh. like everyone. And then it's like, I do kind of remember that. And then those people go and explore it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm on. I'm on here. Uh, yeah. So we talked about how he had stopped showering and grown his, his, his beard had gotten long and all that. And he, he, he started realizing that he bore a strong resemblance to Ronald DeFeo Jr. And he also caught himself drinking at the Witch's Brew, the same bar in which DeFeo was a regular customer and the same bar that DeFeo went to after murdering his family. Um, it's probably and, the closest to the house. <laughs> and it actually creeped that, yes, but they creeped the bartender out because he was like deja vu, like it was DeFeo coming back in again. Hmm. And then when, the, especially creeped him out when he found out that this this guy that came in looking like DeFeo was actually living at the DeFeo house. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. When def- when closing Missy's window, which Missy said Jody climbed out of, Kathy saw red eyes glowing at her. Uh, yeah, animals' eyes glow at night. It's probably like a raccoon or something. Bat, or maybe. Or a squirrel, or maybe a bat, yeah. yeah. While in bed, Kathy received red welts on her chest caused by an unseen force and was levitated two feet in the air. Explain that one, Michael. Who saw her? Uh, George did. There were several times throughout the book. Did Kathy they, know about they it? They described there were several times that they described watching each other float, and they actually would have to get up and grab the the their spouse and pull them back down to the bed, at which point they would become knocked out and not remember what had occurred. Hmm. I mean, that that's one. interesting to me, but it could just be that one or the they other were, got up to go to the they bathroom. They were trying to sell a book. And then could they be were, that they're lying and they're trying to sell a book. Yeah, it could be that <laughs> as well. That's the only explanation, because... If it actually happened, then there's no explaining that. No, you're right. You're right. There's no explaining that. Yeah. They're not fucking Chris Angel, you know? That's right. Only Chris well, Angel there's only can one, There's only one Chris Angel. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on. What about David Blaine? I think he can levitate as well. Yeah, he's a hack. Is he? Actually, I think Chris Angel's way more of a hack than David Blaine is. I, David <laughs> Blaine actually hacks, works man, on the... Thing David like, Blaine does some cool shit, whereas Chris Angel's literally just a hack. <laughs> <laughs> he just literally... It's all... Freaking camera trickery. It's cameras and, and angles and actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, locked doors and windows in the house were damaged by an unseen force. Cloven hoof prints attributed to an enormous pig appeared in the snow outside the house on January 1st, 1976. Could have actually just been a pig. I mean. Also, there was no snow that day. Looked it up. You did? January 1st, 1976? Yes. In Amityville, yes. New York? Really? You looked it up? I looked it up, man. No snow that day. All right. And almost Mike, every Mike looked it up, guys. documentary and things like that, they also mentioned that as well. So I okay. looked it up myself, and I was like, well, let me just see. There well, you know no what, snow. Michael? It was a long 28 days, okay? <laughs> okay. So maybe they got one of the days mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, green gelatin-like it. slime oozed from the walls in the hall and also from the keyhole of the playroom door in the attic. Your kids were probably throwing jello around. <laughs> right? Who hasn't thrown a little jello in their life? Yeah. You feel me? It's oozing from the keyhole, though. I mean, come Yeah, on. they throw it through the keyhole. Or they're like, I'm tired of my little sister looking in my room. Let me put a little jello in here. <laughs> you know? That's another thing that Flexi Seal will fix. <laughs> That's all God. It's just solving all the problems here, man. <laughs> yeah. You, you're, is your sister breaking into your room? Flexi Seal. <laughs> no key will ever work again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 
A 12-inch crucifix hung in the living room by Kathy revolved until it was upside down and gave off a sour smell. That's pretty creepy. They probably hung it up where it wasn't balanced. Kid hit a wall in the other room, spun. There you go. The odor. It's an old house. It's going to have tons of tons of fucking odors. My okay. house is old. I smell weird stuff all the time. You know? All right. All right. Not ghosts, bro. Okay. George tripped over a four-foot-high China lion ornament in the living room and found bite marks on one of his ankles. Later, the lion would reappear in the living room after George had moved it back upstairs into the sewing room. So this this uh, China lion kept kind of reappearing in different locations at... at uh, Creepy times, and it also bit his ankle, apparently. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dude, no, that didn't happen. That's yeah. bullshit. He probably just scratched it on the lion. He needs to watch where he's going. And also, yeah. if his kids saw that and they like that little thing, because kids like expensive, shiny things, like especially a lion made of China. Oh, for sure. You got, you got three were, kids, three they young were watching children. They're, you. They're, moving, yeah. they're moving stuff around. And dude, yeah. what if the kids realized that like they could creep their parents out and they were doing all this? They were just fucking doing everything. Like like Missy, when she was supposedly standing in the window when he was out at the boathouse and he saw her in the window. Mm-hmm. Like like what if like she she stared at him to creep him out and then by the time he got up there, she like jumped back in bed, acted like she was asleep, and she moved the rocking chair so it was rocking when he came in. Absolutely possible. It sounds like possible. fun shit to really torment your parents like or, that. You know? Or she was standing in the rocking chair looking out the window. Oh, yeah. And then when she jumped she out of the five. rocking chair, it's already uh, shaking. Oh, shit, Dad saw me. I'm up late when I shouldn't be. Yep. Let me run back over here. Never mind the rocking chair rocking over there. I probably He probably won't notice that. And, the, I mean, the red demon eye pig behind her, That I mean, he was he had no sleep. He was up every no morning sleep. at 3 a.m. He never slept in that 28 days. So, I mean, he could have been seeing all kinds of shit. That's right. And he's just yeah. getting more and more paranoid as it goes. If any of this is true, carry on, Lauren. Oh, this part creeped me out. George saw Kathy transform into an old woman of 90 years old. Quote, the hair, wild, a shocking white, a fa- the face, a mass of wrinkles and ugly lines and saliva dripping from the toothy- toothless mouth. Okay, did uh, did George do any psychedelics? Probably. <laughs> no, was, he, was he hitting some of Ronald's uh, LSD that yeah, he found? Yeah, probably. Because he found it in the red room. He found the LSD. That's what the red room right. was, his drug room. That was Ronald's drug room, and fucking George got into that. <laughs> he found the stash. Oh, he found the secret stash down in the red room, dude. That's why, that's why you would want a red room. You're doing LSD <laughs> and shit. That's, and that's why like, he was tripping balls is down in the red room. <laughs> that's right. And then he was probably like, and then Ron, and then George saw that opportunity, and he was like, "Well, no one needs to come down here. No, it's just it's just full of drugs yeah. and shit. <laughs> All kinds of like trippy posters of melting paintings and shit. Right. It's like a record player with yeah. fucking." Floyd of Pink Floyd playing. There's like strobe lights in the corners. Y'all, guys, listen, it's horrid. Just stay out of here. It's right. <laughs> uh, we, we're almost done with the crazy stuff that occurred supposedly, <laughs> according to the Lutz family. Missy would sing constantly while in her room. Whenever she left the room, she would stop singing, and upon returning, she would resume singing where she left off. Okay, so she was comfortable in her room and liked to sing alone. I mean, the little girls do that. Yeah. On one occasion, Kathy heard what sounded like a window being opened and closed through the sewing room door, even though she was sure no one was in there. Um, and the and the straw that broke the camel's back essentially was the, like the final night they stayed there was just this crazy attack by the demons in which they both both uh, Kathy and George were levitated. 
Um, all of the, the doors on the dressers and everything were being slammed. The marching band was playing down in the, in the uh, living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point, the two sons came in and said, Dad, Dad, you got to help us. There's something in our, there's somebody in our room. And he couldn't get out of bed because he was physically being held down by demons. And when he finally forced the demon off of him and ran into the hallway, this, this hooded figure with red eyes was staring at him. And that's when they said that they left that night, jumped in the car, um, and uh, basically took off to Kathleen's mother's house in which they thought they were free. And then that night they experienced more and they realized the demons were following them. Um, and I guess they moved to California where it was finally far enough away from the demons to get them. <laughs> and uh, that's when they wrote the book and whatnot. Right. In L.A. where movies are made. <laughs> right. We, this is where we're going to go to sell our book. Yeah. <laughs> we need exactly. to find. We need, yeah. We need to find a, what a coincidence. Big, big wig author that's or right. a publisher out in L.A. Right. Ridiculous. Yep. yep. Ridiculous. Um, on G- on January 14, 1976, George and Kathy Lutz, with their three children and their dog Harry, left 112 Ocean Avenue, leaving all of their possessions behind. The next day, a mover arrived to remove the possessions to send the Lutzes. He reported no paranormal phenomena while inside the house. Um, their son, Daniel Lutz, who lives a quiet life in Queens, New York to this day as a stones mason, claims the house ruined his life and that he continues to have nightmares to this day. Um, the Amityville house officially sold on February 2017 to an undisclosed owner for 605000 which was 200000 less than the original asking price. It had been previously owned by four other families since the murders, one of which had the address changed to 108 Ocean Avenue, um, as it originally stood at 112 Ocean Avenue. Hmm. So Now, didn't the very next, peop- <clears throat> next guy that moved in, though, claim no... Paranormal yeah. activity. Yeah, no one, none of the other families. It was just the Lutzes that. Yeah, that's. But that's supposedly, crazy. like uh, the the whole the, the book explained that off a little bit, saying like um, paranormal things can be drawn away, pushed off, pushed away if like certain things about the home are changed. Like if you change the paint on the walls, you move the furniture, like things like that. Maybe the fact that the that the Lutzes like kept the same furniture that the family was murdered in and like didn't change anything about the house. Maybe that kept the demons there. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But it's important to note though. obviously we think that this it most likely, because we're, we're realist, you know, most likely the Lutzes were full of shit and they just wanted to make money. Because <laughs> um, fact checking, fact checking website Snopes has gone as so far as to concluding that the claim the Amityville horror book and subsequent films based on true events is entirely false. Snopes notes that Butch DeFeo's lawyer, William Weber, admitted that he, along with the Lutzes, created this horror story over many bottles of wine in the hopes of gaining a new trial for his client. So they, had, they both had something to gain. So yep. uh, DeFeo's lawyer had something to gain by hope potentially getting his client off on insanity. And then obviously the Lutz has had something to gain from uh, this book that sold millions of copies. Exactly. And this uh, is one of those cases, man, where you can believe what you want to believe. There's plenty of evidence to back it up that the house was definitely creepy. There's some weird shit that goes along with it. But then on the other hand, there's also tons of evidence that would suggest that it's all bullshit. It's all made up. It's all conspiracy. Yeah, and a spoiled brat killed his family. And, We've seen it before with the Menendez brothers and, and it's many more cases that we probably don't even know about. Exactly. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, it is rare. Don't get me wrong, but it's not crazy. It's that being said, uh, you know what? If you, if you like 
if you love the Halloween season, it's not too late, and you love the horror, you love horror movies, and you like the ghost stuff, mm-hmm. whether you believe or not, or even it's just fun. Like this book was fun for me. It really got, like I said, it really got me into the into the the creepy Halloween season. Absolutely. And I, I, re- I highly recommend the book. Just you know, just keep in mind it says true story, but I mean that's really take that with a grain of salt, you know. Exactly. But th- th- just get into it, like absorb it, like tell your mind it's real, and, and like let yourself put yourself in the position of the Lutz at that time, the Lutz family. Buy in, right? Buy in, yeah, and enjoy it. It was fun. It was a fun read, man. I enjoyed it. So with that being said, I mean, that was the Amityville Horror Case. We hope you guys enjoyed it. It was just something a little bit different. We like to do a little bit. Like, I remember Halloween, either. I think it was two years ago, we did the uh, Slenderman case, right? And people still love that one. And that had a lot of the same type of vibe to it, paranormal stuff with a real crime involved as well. So, yep. Good All right, stuff, let's uh, get to our sponsors, man. Oh, my Gaia. We got some care packages this week, Michael, and I have a new favorite scent, Sailor. Ooh. Speaking of speedboats, Sailor. Sailor. Dude, I haven't, got, I haven't got mine yet. But... It's on the way. Wendy said mine's on the way, so I'm looking forward to Dude, it. I'm also looking Sailor forward to the incense. I got my incense. Did you get your incense? Not yet. I Damn, need bro. them. I burn incense slacking? constantly for obvious Dude, reasons. It's, it's a great new... If, if you don't, Great new thing that Oh My Guy has to offer is incense. Right, you know? and if you have no idea what Oh My Guy is, if this is the very first episode of True Crime Guys cause, that you've listened to, because that's probably the only reason you got to know, right? Oh My Guy is an innovative all-natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company spe- specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Guy, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And like Lauren said, she's adding new scents all the time just added sailor which i have yep. yet to smell but uh you you like it it's epic dude it's my it's absolutely my favorite i don't even wear the other ones now does it smell I, like I, the I, open I to, seas <laughs> no, no it's <laughs> no it's just it's it's a bit manly i would say it's more on the the, the masculine side right but but man yeah i Sailors love it my wife masculine. loves it on me it's good stuff man Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, if Sailor's not for you, there's plenty more, guys. There's vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, gypsum musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. And we have our very own scent, which also comes in drives away incense demons. Drives away, it, it, it drives away demons, by the way. Yeah, and it comes in incense. So, so now you don't have to wave your behind. armpits at demons. You can actually light an incense, and it's you know it's a oh, little more... Oh, my God. You're you know so correct about that. Right. It's It's a little more... You know, so if you're getting, please. if you're listening to the Amityville horror book that we recommended, and mm-hmm. you're a little creeped out at night listening to it, right. just just light a true crime pine incense. You'll be good to go. Exactly. And because you're true crime guys listeners, if you use the word creeper, C R E E P E R, you can get 15% off your order at ohmygaia.com. That's O H M Y G A I A dot com, at or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. Do it, peeps. That's what's up? That's what's up. That's it. Do it. Um, Mike, I want to give a shout out to my cousin Robbie, who was it was his birthday the other day, and he texted me that he got he finally got some oh my guy. His girlfriend Savannah got him some oh my guy for his birthday. He Hell got yeah. some lumberjack and he's loving it. So yeah, shout out Robbie. Happy nice. birthday. Happy birthday, <clears throat> man. And speaking of shout outs, man, it's time to shout out all of the faithful creepers that are listening to the podcast and that have taken the time to go right and review us oh. on iTunes, man. We really appreciate so it. So grateful for that, guys. Yeah, seriously, they keep rolling in, man. I'm always blown away because, like, even if we take a, a break, which we we need to be more consistent. Obviously, shit happens. I've been moving, and then we lost an episode and all that. So we're still right. trying to stay consistent with the guys, but we still keep like new people keep finding us because of our old episodes and stuff. And it's just yeah. crazy to see all these new reviews rolling in all the time. Still, it still blows me away. So I want to thank 
all of you guys. I'm pulling them up right now. Hold on. So we got, oh, yeah, and all the fire emojis have been crazy, too. Hell yeah. <clears throat> so we got, uh, hopefully I don't miss anybody. We got uh, I, Rosa, Rosie, Rosa, L. Rosa uh, said, uh, keep creeping mofos. Uh, cor- from Ross from Cornwall, England. All right, bloke. Thanks for the <laughs> review. Cherry on. Cherry on. Uh, NPK. I don't know what the fuck that means. NPKNO3. Uh, easy to listen to. Five star review. Thank you. One of my yeah. go to true crime podcasts. Appreciate it. Diane Rhodes said, Awesome show. Five stars. Thank you. Uh, Fat Man Diving said, Good times. Well researched and produced. Five stars. Thank you. Um, Emily. Emily. With a bunch of E's, M's, I's, L's, and Y's. Nailed it. Said, thank you for helping me get through my my work almost every day with uh, fire emojis and five stars. Hell yeah. Uh, Redmond Fant- Fantapants uh, said, five stars, great podcast, great butt. Would be even better if you guys didn't talk over the top of each other. Yeah, well, I think yeah. we've gotten a little better with that. Yeah, exactly. And you can't it, have it all, really. It's really episode to episode. Sometimes we're good, sometimes we're bad. Well, it it's also... Is. The earlier episodes, it, it just depends on when people are uh, leaving reviews. Because a lot of people leave reviews and be like, oh, they talked for 15 minutes before they got to the show. It's like, well, we don't do right. that. And we haven't done that in probably like episode 60 10. episodes. But yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Fields D, 2009, uh, five stars, said, keeps me laughing, feeds my need for true crime. Thank you. Uh, Indiana 9, left a bunch of fire emojis, five stars. Thank you. Uh, Keegan 4. Keegan H4, five stars. Love the show. Thank you. Uh, a bunch of fire emojis as well. Uh, Free Ride 62 left a four-star review. That, I mean, I think for about a four-star podcast, I'm fine with that. You still get a shout-out. Great show. I'm pretty sure these guys are high. Yay for that. <laughs> <laughs> How was that not five stars? <laughs> <laughs> Shanna, yeah, you better go fix that. Make it five now. Come on. Yeah. Shanna 29, five stars. Love these guys. Thank you. Uh, Elaine. Uh, five stars, laugh, cry, and intense. Thank you. Um, Carolina Crazies. There you go, Michael. Great okay. podcast. Thank you. Um, Ninsco, left a five-star review. Thank you. Great mix of grim facts and funny riffing. L- love it. Appreciate it. Uh, Aries for life. Uh, five stars, fire emojis. Fire emojis. I wanna sh- uh, they said, I want a shout-out. By the way, I love being called a freeloader. You guys are the best. I wish you could hear me talking to y'all in the car. <laughs> uh, I wish we could, too. <laughs> we got to re- – you know what? <laughs> Shout out to those of you who who are cool with being called freeloaders. You know, you're, you you get the joke. You, you don't take yourself too serious. We Thank love that. you. Thank you. Too yep. many people taking themselves way too serious nowadays. Um, and then finally, Cassie Paris said, Binge City, five stars, third podcast I've binged, last podcast on the left, and my favorite murder, and now True Crime Guys. Oh, That's yeah. a hell of a group to be That's in. That's good company you. right We're there. We're flattered for that. And uh, yeah, man, that, that, that about does it, man. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, we record next week, but by then... Halloween will have already happened, right? It's, the, yeah. it's Thursday, so That's we right. won't record till Sunday morning. So, yeah, have a great Halloween, guys. Have a nice, safe one. If you take your kids out, keep them close. Don't get them snatched up. That's right. If they get any edibles and, uh, in their candy, just sort them out for them. And yeah, send just them make sure to you me. get those. Just message me, <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you guys where you can dispose of them properly. All right. All right. We good? All right, guys. Yeah, we're good, man. Keep creeping. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder. Get murder, get murder. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage.
desert, we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was true crime garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army We out here making murder charming Thank you.